Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork, alongside Dilu. As we look back at K-State's 66-60 win over the Baylor Bears last Saturday and preview K-State's game on Big Monday in Fort Worth, Texas against the TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, the Wildcats were able to go on a 17-0 run in the first half to take a 21-7 lead and uh, hold off a late charge by the by the Baylor Bears to uh, get a 66-60 win, like I said. No overtime this time, which I think was just fine. Uh, my pick was wrong, but uh, the result was correct. And Drew, uh, you picked against K-State, and um, do you have an apology that you'd like to make to the Scorpion? No apology. I just would like... Uh... To say that how glad I am that it didn't appear that we were very injured on, yeah, absolutely. on Saturday. Uh, Wade played 39 minutes, which is quite a load for him to shoulder, especially uh, his uh, last few performances uh, where his time has uh, been limited or non-impactful. Yeah. Um, but certainly put in a full 39 last night, and so... Uh, Happy that my impression was incorrect, but uh, no, I don't think any apologies no, necessary. No apologies. Everybody knows I respect Everybody knows I respect the Scorpion. You um, have tremendous amount of respect yeah. for the Scorpion. Mm-hmm. You actually have uh, a drawing that you update each day where you kind of... I fill in another... Uh, it's another, a work of process, yeah, you know, well, but... I, I like to draw in one line segment uh, every day. And at the end of the season, I'm going to uh, commission somebody to uh, put a put it in a frame nice it, frame, right. frame mm-hmm. and then uh, hang it in my room. We'll, we'll all be very excited to see that. Now, I want to go back to your point, though, about Dean Wade. I thought this was the best game. In, well, maybe not the best game he's played all season, but the most healthy he's looked all season uh, from, a, uh, from an explosiveness standpoint, a couple uh, nice – one dunk that uh, you know really sticks out is he's got the ball kind of the top of the key, uh, quick one dribble, little jab uh, step and and uh, and throwing down the hammer. And then another one that I had noticed is uh, in pregame, he was he had been he was dunking the ball, which he had not been doing as much in in pregame. So I was thinking, okay, well that's maybe a good sign that he's that he's healthy uh, before the game. And sure enough, it, it looked like he. Uh, he looked like he was back to near 100%. I believe I saw a report that after the game, uh, he was walking around bootless. Wow. So that's, that's boot good. Boot watch. To, yeah, boot watch uh, continues, of course. But uh, as of now, no boot. So no that's, boot. That's, that's great to hear. That's good news. It's very good news. So let's um, let's talk a little bit about the game here in a little bit more, um, in a little bit more detail. So K-State uh, gets a six-point win. Uh, like I said, a 17-0 run. Uh, Baylor led the game seven to four early on. K State goes uh, up 21 to seven with about a little over um, nine or a little over nine minutes in the uh, in the first half before uh, Baylor is able to break that run. And you see K State get out to this nice little lead here, uh, and you think, okay, this might be something where we can kind of Really stretch it out to maybe 20 points and have a nice win going away. But uh, as Baylor has done, uh, just even as recently as uh, earlier this week against Texas, uh, they came back and actually take uh, take a lead in the second half. Uh, but Casey was able to go on a nice little run there too and, and get the game extended back out. Uh, I thought in terms of 
what we did defensively, I thought this was one of K-State's better games from a complete defensive standpoint uh, in some time. Yeah, I thought they played great defense, especially, um, you know, one, one thing that really sticks out is they limited Baylor's offensive rebounding, um, which is where Baylor can really feast. Uh, Baylor got only seven offensive rebounds last night, uh, which I think is a real testament to uh, K-State doing work uh, on the defensive boards and, and limiting the number of opportunities for Baylor. Uh, but overall, I agree. It was a very good performance, getting valuable minutes from um, a girl. And also Austin Trice getting uh, getting some time as the first and only big man off the bench last night. Yeah, um, I that, I think that's great to highlight McGurl. I mean, only four points, uh, all four of his points coming from the line. So you might see that and say, uh, well, that's kind of a a um, a minor contribution. But if you if you saw what he did defensively, he was fantastic throughout the game. Uh, oftentimes, be giving up four or five inches to the guy he was guarding, maybe. 40 to 70 pounds in some cases. Uh, he got switched on Kegler a couple times and Mark Vidal, who who are much bigger than him. But uh, he was able to hold his own and and uh, you know didn't necessarily have a game where he um, scored a ton, but his his contributions on defense uh, did not fall unnoticed, especially to me. Well, and yeah, and, and one of the reasons McGurl got so many minutes last night, well, number one, uh, not one of uh, the best games from the bell cow. Uh, kind of struggled a little bit last night, especially handling the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, also, uh, Sneed gets his second foul with 7:20 left in the first half. Uh, K State was up 15, or I'm sorry, 24 to 15 at that point in the game. Uh, he would sit the rest of the first half, and K State would watch their nine point lead evaporate to only two at halftime. Um, and so I think a girl. And Merle uh, was filling in for some of those minutes for Snead once he got into, you know, a little bit of foul trouble there with two fouls in the first half, but also got a lot of his minutes from the bell cow. Yeah, and the other thing too, I want to um, go back to McGurl defensively real quick. Is not only was he guarding sometimes the the three and four for for Baylor on defense, but he also was. Uh, guarding uh, point guard Makai Mason for Baylor as well. So that shows his versatility as a defender to go guard a team's point guard, also uh, have the ability to, to go out and, and guard somebody bigger. And I wanted to highlight something here for our listeners uh, here, D. Louie, is Makai Mason, of course, uh, played his college ball uh, previously at, at Yale. Correct. Right. And uh, is a native of Connecticut, mm-hmm. as is Mike McGurl. He didn't play his college ball at Yale, but he... Uh, also from Connecticut, so it's a little uh, matchup of Canadians or uh, Connecticut standouts. Canadian standouts. Connecticut standouts. Connecticut. Excuse me. Excuse me. I uh, I was brain was uh, up north uh, in in the maple. Having a little heartfelt. Having a little heartfelt there. So, uh, but no, uh, interesting subplot there. Uh, that uh, when they're running around the streets of Hartford. You wonder if they ever ran into each other on. Uh... The Hartford uh, High School basketball circuit. Oh, I would, I would guess I could easily be uh, cross paths up there. Maybe head up to the Mohegan Sun, throw some dice. <laughs> maybe, it very is. possibly. It is. So, but yeah, good minutes out of a girl last night, especially 
uh, under the circumstances. I mean, you still have to remember, uh, McGurl is, when this team is at 100%, McGurl is not the first guy off the bench for K-State. Mm-hmm. And to have him step up and contribute 30 minutes um, last night is, is a real credit to him and what he brings to the, to the team, especially on the defensive end. Uh, four starters for K-State, Dean Wade with 20, Sneed with 14, Barry Brown with 10, Stokes with 16. That's the kind of balance that if K-State's going to uh, finish out this season strong and make a, um, a deep run in the NCAA tournament, that kind of balance scoring from the starting five uh, is going to be needed. Now, uh, Mayween only chipped in two and only four points from the bench, so You'd like to see that production pick up a little bit, but well, you have to remember when Jada yeah. gets healthy, he's he's the the uh, dynamo off the bench for us, and is sure. really, you know, you can say McGurl can have his nights where he he does some nice things offensively, yeah. but I think Jada's a little easier to count on there. Uh, I want to touch on one more thing as to what you were saying with that. Balance from uh, that balance scoring. Uh, K State gets a good win over a good Baylor team on a night where Barry Brown goes two for ten from the field, um, and we saw what happened against KU on Monday, where Barry, uh, I think, put in four points total. I believe so, yeah. And uh, you know he, he got some work done at the line last night, but. Uh, not a great shooting performance from him. Two of ten, like I mentioned. Oh, four from three. But found a way to get to the line. Uh, pulled in seven rebounds and dished out four assists. So still finding ways to be productive out on the court. But in terms of uh, you know making jumpers and and actually putting field goals in, uh, kind of a rough night from him. But uh, luckily the other guys, especially Dean, were able to uh, come in and pick up the slack. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. Uh, Barry uh, had having a couple games of a little bit rough uh, offensive nights for him, but you feel comfortable with him that any type of struggling that is going on the offensive side is not going to affect his defensive play. And you have to give a guy credit. I mean, even though he is uh, one of the most experienced players on K State's team, and one of the most experienced players in the country, for that matter. Uh, not letting the offense uh, dictate your effort on defense is something that uh, even even great players can uh, fall victim to. So I thought K-State's – I keep going back to the defense here, but I thought defensively that was one of K-State's best games uh, of the season. There have been some games recently, of course. Uh, you kind of look at the first half of that Texas game on the road in Austin and um, – excuse me, the Baylor game as well, down in Waco the first half. Not great defense uh, from K-State. Not their typical lockdown defense, but then they come back with strong second-half performances. Uh, K-State, I thought, played some of their best defense, uh, holding Baylor to only 30 in each half. Yeah, very, very, very impressive, Uh, especially on a night where K-State, because of Mayween's limited minutes, only playing 22 minutes, K-State playing a little smaller Mm -hmm. uh, for most of the game. I mean, Trice did get in there and, and put in eight minutes, so between Mayween and Trice, we, we got 30 minutes out of uh, a second big man, aside yeah. from Dean. But It, it uh, wasn't as drastic as what you saw like last year against Kentucky, where we're playing very small, and also Kentucky's much larger than us to begin with. 
But there were there was some of that feel kind of down uh, down the stretch that uh, with May it was kind of that uh, part of the game where right before the four under four timeout right. in the second half we were extremely small and Baylor was going into uh, Mario Kegler and in, in or in uh, Vital to actually I think Vital might have been fouled out. it was really more Kegler but uh, they were going into Kegler and. We were we were giving up some fouls pretty quick. I think they drew two pretty quick ones on McGurl, and I was wondering when he would go back to Snead, when he would go back to Mayween, and uh, just waiting to that under four timeout before bringing them in uh, to kind of seal the deal there. One thing I did want to mention too is there were a little bit tense moments, uh, kind of down the stretch. As K State wasn't great at the line uh, down the stretch of that game. This team isn't a great free throw shooting team, but. In terms of the things that concern you with K State, uh, as we um, as we're into March now, and uh, this is March, this is March, uh, staring down the barrel of uh, the end of the season, really. Where does K State's free throw shooting rank as a concern for you, if if anywhere on the list at all? You know, it's it's frustrating because I don't know. I, I think as fans, we look at free throws and we think, "Come on, you guys." This, for all intents and purposes, this is what you guys do. You're basketball players, so you ought to be able to get free throws down. I, I compare it to to bowling, something I know. If if this is something you devote your time to, you ought to be able to pick up a ten pin. Um, it's a repetitive thing that you, you get used to. But in terms of where it ranks in, in my level of concern, not super high because. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this team doesn't strike me as a team that has a hard time closing out games. There haven't been very many games where K-State's, you know, blown it in the last uh, three or four minutes. And so um, it's it's frustrating, but it's it's who this team is at this point. I don't think any t- anybody on this team is going to magically, uh, you know, get drastically better over the next month. But... Uh, I think in terms of my concern, my concern with things, I think just the five position right yeah. now because Mayween's really kind of fallen into a rough patch uh, of prairie for the bell cow. Yeah. And to go back to the free throw shooting thing, like the thing that makes it a little bit misleading of a statistic is just think about, okay, let's think about the guys that are actually getting to play right now. Are Austin Trice is getting like eight minutes a game, eight to ten minutes a game, like maybe down the like I'm just even talking from here on out. Mm-hmm. He might be playing eight to ten minutes a game normally. Would you right. think that'd be fair to say? Uh, depends on what depends Jada. on the matchup. Yeah, but. it depends on how things go in terms of health and in in all that stuff. But guys like Levi Stocker who haven't been getting much playing time. Uh, we'll get back to him in a second. Yeah, um, he's like. He's seven of seven from the free or seven of seventeen from the free throw line. Uh, in terms of the guys that get a play a fair amount, everybody is shooting over sixty five percent, which you can live with. Which is not it's still not great. Like the one guy that um, is probably if if you get if you can pick who you want to shoot your free throws at the end of the game, it's it's Dean Wade or Kamal Stokes for me. Right there, um, but. There's not really any guy at the t- on the on K State's uh, team that's going to be in there at the end of the game that you're like, oh man, I 
do not want him shooting clutch free throws. If 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 the game comes down to there's a guy like I mean there are there are some that you'd rather have shooting than others. I don't think that there's any question about that. But there's I mean, no game one, on the line. I don't want Bell Cow at the line. Oh, he's sixty seven percent. It's not all that bad. It's not all that bad. How many free throws has he has he shot this year? What how what kind of sample size is that? Just uh, thirty one of forty six, Drew. So yeah. So not a ton. He you know he's only shot uh, he shot fifteen less than fewer. Uh, <coughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, then Kamau Stokes, uh, Barry Brown has shot by far the most. With that makes sense because which, he's you know, the guy who drives and he's an elite finisher as we've. That's mentioned right. here on the show several times. So, well, shot nine last night alone. I did better. Uh, D. Lou, I think there was someone you were wanting to get into. Oh yeah, it was Stockard. So, uh, thought it was interesting last night that uh, the first big man off the bench for K State was Trice, because that's kind of a deviation from what uh, the Scorpions done this year, where he's gone, uh, at least in terms of the pecking order on the bench. Really, he's gone. Uh, Love instead of Trice, uh, at least a couple times this year, and so I think that's it's interesting to see him make that move last night, and I think for the first time, uh, at least in months, maybe dating back to non-conference, that wasn't the case where Trice was coming off the bench before uh, Stockard. Yeah, and not only the first big man off the bench, the only big man off the bench, right, uh, for K State uh, on Saturday against Baylor. I don't feel that – I mean, I, I don't have any uh, indication that there's anything wrong with, with Levi Stockard in terms of injury. Um, but, yeah, I think with the way you've seen Trice play, um, you know, here over the last, um, you know, two weeks or so, you kind of have to like what you see out of him. And in a game where – the biggest concern for K-State really going into this game against Baylor was being able to keep Baylor off the offensive glass. Uh, having Trice in there to – one of the things that he does do very well is, is rebound. And this was, I think, a bit of a better matchup for him probably than it would have been for Stockard. But, uh, you know, still only getting eight minutes, so it's not like he was in there a ton. But uh, good minutes for him. And – don't believe he played at all in the second half. However, though, so it but was, something to keep your eye on moving yeah, forward. Yeah, something in to keep terms your eye of uh, who's going to go in there, and I think Bruce has shown us a preference to go smaller, um, whether it's Jada or McGurl. Yeah. Uh, when inevitably either maybe needs a breath or he gets into foul trouble, which he seems to be doing quite a bit lately. Although only one foul for him last night, but uh, if. If we do need to make a big man sub here in the next uh, month or so, it'll be interesting to see whether that big man is is the jeans man or Mr. Trice. Yep, I think so. Well, uh, that'll be something that we'll keep an eye on for sure. Drew, is there anything else you'd like to add um, regarding the Baylor game? No, I just think it's a really solid win. I think it's, it's probably, you know, we had three games left uh, on our conference schedule prior to the Baylor game, and, and the Baylor game was... Uh, probably the one I was uh, most worried about, but uh, so it's a big one to cross off. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and look at uh, the TCU game on Monday. Uh, it's Big Monday. It's K-State versus the Frogs. Uh, 
the Frogs coming off of a uh, an absolute shellacking at the hand of uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, TCU's a team that they're they're sitting at 18, 18 and eleven, uh, six and ten in the Big Twelve right now. Um, a team that is probably in the NCAA tournament, but it would probably not be in their best interest to keep lose, lose these next two games and then go get knocked out in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Uh, they're, they're a team that is, is kind of sliding here late in the season, uh, losing four out of their last five games. And as I mentioned, they got beat uh, 81 to 66 by Texas Tech at home uh, just last Saturday. So when you look at what TCU's doing right now, uh, they're a team that seems to be trending the wrong direction. And uh, if, if you're K-State, you have to be kind of licking your chops uh, to see a team that's really struggling right now. And uh, you want to kind of keep those losing teams losing right now. Yeah, it's a team that's leaking oil for sure. Um, not only have they been on a skid over these last you know, six games, uh, in which they've lost five of them, but some of those losses include, uh, you know, a seven-point loss in Stillwater. Uh, they lost by eight to West Virginia last week, and uh, so it, it's not—it's not as if they've been playing Murderers Row over uh, their last six games. Uh, they did pull out a win against Iowa State uh, in Fort Worth, and so it's a team that's that shows you—you know—they still have talent and they still can. Uh, knock off some of the the better teams in the conference, but certainly a team that, as you mentioned, is trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get into this matchup here a little bit. Uh, of course, the first time K State uh, had played Texas Tech uh, in Manhattan, uh, K State was able to come out with a victory there. Uh, that was kind of right at the start here when K State was really uh, getting on this this run. It was uh, the fourth of a, a nine game conference winning streak um, at that point. So K-State was starting to trend, obviously, in the right direction the first time these two teams have played. And, uh, you know, K-State still continuing to play pretty consistent ball, really. Uh, of course, the setback uh, to KU uh, last uh, time out on Monday um, was disappointing, but this has still been a pretty darn consistent K-State team uh, once we've gotten to conference play. So... In that game against TCU uh, in Manhattan, K-State led the entire way, uh, 165-55. Uh, thought uh, this was a big game for uh, Xavier Sneed. He led the way for K-State uh, with 18 points. And, of course, his, his uh, patented lockdown defense, of course, as well. Uh, as K-State, as I said, never trailed in this game and uh, was able to, uh, to handle the Frogs pretty, uh, pretty handily. So let's look at this matchup. Uh, we've kind of talked TCU, not coming in on the on the best of on the best of notes after a 15 point loss and in a game that they never were really in against Texas Tech. And I mean, shoot, this is a team that needs a win. Do you see maybe a, a kind of a desperate TCU team uh, when when the Wildcats go to Fort Worth on Monday? You know, I would. I, I, that's what I would expect to see because they know the stakes and they know what that they're kind of skating on thin ice here. Um, and so I would expect TCU to uh, really have, or K-State to really have TCU's focus in this game. 
Um, especially guys like Alex Robinson, who, you know, really leaders of this Horn Frog squad and who had a good game against K-State the first go-around. And so uh, I would expect TCU to uh, come in and, and I don't know if desperate is, is the best term because I don't know whether uh, what it, the environment's going to be down there. I wouldn't expect it to be a, a, a packed house down there in Fort Worth. But uh, certainly a team that's uh, got a lot to play for still. And uh, But if they screw around with this these last couple games of the Big 12 schedule, they, uh, they might not have much to play for here at all. Yeah, so I think that's really, uh, really well put. We t- you talked a little bit about Alex Robinson uh, for K or for TCU. Uh, Robinson, of course, the the team's point guard, uh, 13th in the nation in assist rates. Um, a guy that when they're playing well, he's playing well. Uh, I think that's that's easy to say. But K State actually was able to do pretty darn well against him the first time. Uh, did he only had four assists to eight turnovers, and. Uh, his his backup and who is a guy that's really been playing almost equal minutes with him lately in, in a guy that's uh, a true freshman Kendrick Davis um, also had only five had only had two two assists to five turnovers in that first meeting if K State's going to be able uh, to go on the road to BTC which uh, Drew I'll be honest with you I expect them to do I think you're gonna have to look at what they're able to do uh, defensively against uh, TCU's point guards with with Robinson and uh, Kendrick Davis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, turning him over eight times, that was, I believe, the most in his career uh, in a game, the first go-around. So you you look at K-State's backcourt and think, okay, well, can we uh, keep the pressure on him? And I, I think it's unlikely that Robinson turns in another you know, performance where he turned the ball so much, turned the ball over so much, because uh, that's really pretty out of character for him. Uh, but if they can limit his production and enforce some mistakes, I think that's a good recipe. I mean, in that first game, uh, Robinson and uh, Desmond Bain combined for uh, 33 points. And so it, you look at that turnover number and you think, geez, what a not a great game from him. But he, he did still dish in 17 points and, and add in four assists. So a little careless with the basketball, which was ultimately their undoing in Manhattan when they played, but still found a way to uh, to get the ball through the basket, which uh, which is important in the game of basketball. That is that is important in the game of basketball, of course. If uh, if TCU is going to beat K State, I think they're going to have to do it from behind the arc. Uh, in their one uh, win here over the last five games against Iowa State, who we talk about leaking oil, there's no better team uh, to point to than the one. Uh, from Ames, Iowa, there as they are uh, falling apart down the stretch here uh, of the Big 12 season. But TCU, uh, in their game against Iowa State, shot the ball uh, 40% from behind the arc, and uh, that was a big reason why they were able to come out on top 75-72. Uh, so that kind of gives you an idea um, on kind of what, what TCU's coming in with. It, Drew, is there anything else you'd like to add about TCU before uh, we give our predictions on this one? No, just uh, that I think when you're playing a team that's struggling, you get out on them early and don't give them any hope to, that they're going to turn things around here and step on their neck. And, and as you mentioned, uh, you think K-State ought to win this game, and, and so do I. So, uh, Dilo, I'm going to put you on the spot first here today. 
Um, what's what's the score? I think K State. I see K State winning this one by about a little less than ten or so. I'll say K State uh, sixty-eight and Texas Christian University fifty-nine. Okay, so. Did you say 68-59? Yes. 68-59. Fairly, fairly comfortable victory for K-State, but uh, but not not a runaway, not a complete blowout. Okay. So I uh, the, the line on this game, K-State uh, favored by a point and a half, uh, over under at 132 and a half. So uh, some information there for you folks uh, regarding uh, how the, uh, the folks in the desert see this game. Uh, but I'm with you, D. Louie. I think K-State wins this game. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit closer. 68, I think that's just right on by you. I'm going to go yep. 68-62. Okay, uh, so they get, they've tossed in a garbage yeah, three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we see the game uh, very similarly. And uh, I think this is a game that K-State, this is a game, if you want to win the conference, uh, this is a game you have to win. And I think... It, it's not just saying that this is a game. That, like This individual game is one you have to win, but these are the type of games you have to win. On a team that, uh, quite frankly, is is struggling right now and needs probably one you know, real signature win here to, to put the stamp on their, um, on their ticket to the NCAA tournament, uh, I expect K-State to get their best, uh, to get TCU's best effort, but... Uh, especially with the way Dean Wade looked uh, on Saturday against Baylor, uh, that kind of health and that kind of explosiveness at, at, that we've seen out of Dean Wade, I'm not picking against K State in this one. No, and especially no, no given uh, Barry's been in a little bit of a rut these last few games, and you expect him to kind of wake up out of that uh, little slump. But uh, with a fully healthy Dean Wade and a Barry Brown who's due for a, to get back to form. Uh, I think K State ought to ought to be able to go down to Fort Worth and, and escape with the W. All right, so we are both taking K State in this one. Uh, D. Louis, do you want to uh, do you want to do a Wildcat Legends this this, uh, this episode, or do you want to save that for later in the week? We'll we'll do one this. We'll we'll do we'll do a Legend tonight. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and tease the next segment, and I just wanted to make sure I got your yeah tease away. Okay. Well, folks. We'll be back after a short break here to highlight another in the long list of Wildcat legends and answer your questions and ask the icon. Join us after the break. All right, welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, where I'm here with Chris the Icon Sork, and we are going to bring to you this week's Wildcat legend. An icon, this week's Wildcat legend was a much ballyhooed big man from Putnam City, Oklahoma. I, of course, am speaking of no other than Marcus Hayden. Hayden prepped at Putnam City High School. Do you know who else went to Putnam City High School? No, I don't. That would be former K-State head coach Jim Wooldridge. Is that so? That's right. That's right. How about that? A couple of cats from Putnam City. Wow. Uh, he was a consensus top 100 player in high school, ranked as the nation's number 10 power forward by RivalsHoops.com. Uh, Hoopscoop Magazine had him as the number 56 overall recruit. Uh, he was the Oklahoma 6A 
Player of the Year as a senior. He was the MVP of the state tournament. He was also named McDonald's All-State. Uh, so this guy was coming in yeah, highly billed. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely remember, uh, I think when we talked about uh, that number one recruit number one rated recruiting class under Jim Woldridge, he was the headliner of that recruiting I'm class. I'm sure he was. He so, was. Uh, yeah, no, he was a uh, very much, as you said, a much ballyhooed recruit. And had, uh, had K-State Hoops fans excited for the future. Oh, absolutely. Um, and for good reason, because he got in his freshman year, uh, played in all 30 games, averaged 18.7 minutes per game, uh, and found a way to... Uh, to get seven points a game, along with about four and a half rebounds coming off the bench, which it's pretty good uh, production there from your freshman. Uh, the next season, he would start in 26 of 28 games, and he notched up his points per game to eight, and his total rebounds per game up to six and a half. Uh, so he's progressing like you like to see from from a recruit of his stature. Uh, then we enter his third year, where uh, things kind of skidded off a little bit for him. Uh, only played in 15 games. Uh, his points per game dropped to 6.8. His rebounds uh, fell to 5.3. And just prior to the Texas game that year, he sat out four games in a row because of migraines and headaches, which are horrible. I can't imagine. Um, but just prior to the Texas game that season... Uh, Coach Wolderidge announced that Hayden and the Cats had made a mutual decision to part ways with one another. Uh, Hayden would go on to finish his career at Washburn in uh, Top City, which is a city that you, Icon, are very familiar with. Of course. Um, but, you know, those two and a half years, those two and a half seasons he spent at K-State, certainly impactful um, and certainly left an impression on, on a lot of K-State basketball fans. Yeah, without question. And, uh, excuse me, Drew, but as you mentioned, he uh, part of that big recruiting class that uh, I believe it included Des Willingham, Cartier Martin, uh, as kind of the big three guys as part of that recruiting class. And, uh, you know, Marcus had a um, had his ups and downs here at K-State, but uh, I'll always remember him very fondly. Absolutely. And, you know, we usually like to highlight a particular game, particular performance that really stands the test of time. But when you look at Marcus's numbers, uh, none really stick out. I mean, this was just a guy who would go in and do yeoman's work every night. Yeah, his 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 consistency is is really, quite frankly, unmatched. Yeah, it's absolutely unmatched, and it's what if I can speak frankly, it's what makes him this week's Wildcat legend. All right, we're going to go ahead and get into our final segment of this week's edition of the Short Side Option, a segment we call Ask the Icon, where listeners can submit their questions to the Short Side Option's very own Chris the Icon Sork, and you know what? He'll answer them. And listeners can submit their questions by uh, writing to us on Twitter at TSSO underscore podcast or using the hashtag Ask the Icon, or, um, you know, there's tons of ways you can talk to us. Yeah, and... uh I, I did see one question that came in that I, I'm particularly excited to answer uh, from uh, Tony about uh, my my dream golf uh, foursome. Well, and, let's get let's get right and into I, it. And I've been I've been thinking about this 
ever since I came that saw that one come through. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get right in. Uh, we'll get right or in. Or if, if you, I didn't know if you had a certain way you wanted to go about it, but I, that's what I'm ex- very excited to uh, to get after. Sharp-eared listeners who listen every week, and I pray you do, but sharp-eared listeners will know that I uh, I ask these questions in chronological order: first come, first serve. Okay. And this week, first in line, none other than Tony himself. Tony on Twitter at Lucas Casanova. Lucas. Anove, actually on Twitter. Lucas. At Lucas Anove. Okay. Uh, asks, Icon, who's in your dream foursome? Yeah, so with this one, I got to look at Phil Mickelson, my favorite favorite golfer uh, of all time. Then I'm also going to look at another uh, former uh, Sun Devil with Phil, uh, guy on the tour that uh, I followed very closely throughout the years, uh, Pat Perez. Phenomenal guy. Mm-hmm. Um, came back. I believe he's the only golfer in PGA Tour history uh, to win on an injury exemption uh, to a tournament. So uh, that's a guy that practices goal number five. I'll yeah. tell you that much. That that's much right. I can tell you. Tough. And then I'm going to go a little bit off the wall here uh, to round out uh, to round out my playing partners here, and I'm going to go. Into he he's loosely associated with the golf. I mean, he's a golfer, but he's known for his uh, performances on the hardwood. Uh, Bill Murray. No, no, I'm gonna go. He's with, in Space Jam. Oh, he is in Space Jam. Go Wolves. Yeah. Uh, but no, I'm gonna go with uh, Charles Barkley. Ah, another guy. Another guy from and, Space Jam. And you know, and he yeah, also true, also true. But the the big thing about Charles Barkley is one, I, I find him refreshing. Of course, to 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 uh, to be around with, and I also think that I might have a chance to actually beat him. So that would be um, that's why he'd be in there. It'd be full of laughs, and I might be able to say I'm not the worst player in the group. So there you go. That's uh, that's smart. You don't want to be you don't want to be the worst. I, I'm not obviously. I'm not being the pros. And I'm I'm probably not going to beat Charles Barkley. Oh, I'm I think he'd beat. Charles Barkley. Yeah, I don't know. It's been a it, it's been a cold winter. Haven't had the chance to uh, to to use the clubs much. Hey, Charles Barkley spends more time in the sand trap than David Hasselhoff. Okay, is that a, is that a fact? That's right. Uh, well, that's that sounds like a fun time out at the golf course. Uh, Mr. President, Michael B's fan club president has a question for us. He says, "I missed the deadline. I'm sorry. Let me get his full name there. Michael B's fan club president at KSU underscore." Funny 33. Mr. President asks, I missed the deadline to ask this for the last pod, so I apologize in advance for not being as relevant with this question. But have you ever had a regrettable slash embarrassing moment as a fan, a la Nate Bucati? No, not really. Nothing like that. Um, you know, uh, got asked to leave a, a KU football game once upon a time, but yeah, nothing. Nothing you regret? No. Yeah. Nothing at all. Nothing super shameful. No. Uh, the president had a trio of questions this week. His okay. second of he, three. He's always. He's just inquisitive. He's, yeah, he's always very active there. Always and, asking and, questions. You love to see that. Yeah. He asks, which Snyder playlist song will you miss the most? Oh, well, personally, I hope none of the playlist changes, personally. But, um, you know, if it does, that's fine. But um, I got to go with the outro song here on the Short yeah. Side Option podcast. Uh 
Days Like These by Asia. Yeah. That's a that's a staple. And uh, it still holds up. So whether or not um, you know, it, it makes its way into the rotation, the pregame uh, the pregame music playlist for K State football, it always has a home here on the short side option. That's right. This president's third question this week is as follows. Have you ever enjoyed a smoked turkey leg from the concession stands? Oh, you bet I have. <laughs> BSFS. Oh, absolutely. So, um, the one thing, it, there's a, uh, I, where I said at in section 19, uh, I have a, um, a vendor just right outside that, uh, that section that sells the, uh, the smoked turkey legs, and if, uh, if I've got a hankering, it's just a short little walk for me. So, uh, yes, I have enjoyed a, a smoked turkey leg. The one thing that is a little bit unfortunate about them is they are a little messy, and it's uh, kind of burdensome. It's, you know, it can be a little bit messy for you. But uh, in terms of the taste, in terms of the uh, the substance in one of those, it's uh, hard to beat. Absolutely. And, you know, I... And I also, too, at uh, county fairs, I always am looking for a turkey leg and a funnel cake. I mean, how can you not be? Yeah, county fairs and, like, renaissance festivals. Yeah. and You know, never been to a renaissance festival. I think I want, went once when I was a young boy. Uh-huh. But I uh, haven't been in a long time. But I I always see uh, people walking around there with giant muttons and mead. And I feel like I could do some damage here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's worth a shot, for sure. Look at the meats at the uh, Renfest. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Next question comes from listener Miles at Miles underscore Tiny Hands. He asks, what do you see as the scores for the remaining two games? Well, um, as I had mentioned, I think it, I was 68-61 uh, for the TCU game. Yeah. And for the Oklahoma game, I'm going to go uh, a similar margin, uh, a victory for K-State in that one. I'm going to go 73. Uh, I'm going to go 73-65 in that one. So Today. But that might change. That might change. Yeah. That might change. But K-State wins these next two games. Official pick won't come until... Uh, Next podcast. Absolutely. Uh, listener E underscore S for KSU at E underscore S for KSU on Twitter asks, Icon, I would Google it, but I feel like you may do a better job of explaining the rules to me. If Tech and KSU finish tied for first, what determines who gets the one seed in the Big 12 tournament? Okay, so this is a fantastic question here. Um, so what... Um, what dictates that? So let's say K State and Tech like let's uh, say let's assume they both went out. They both went out. I think that's the likely scenario for them to uh, to tie share. Yeah, to share alone. Yeah. So there, uh, what it would go down to? So it would first you check the tiebreaker between the two teams on um, how they did against each other. So like let's say K State went two and zero against Tech or vice versa then that team would be the one seed. Obviously, they split. We'll move on to number two. Then you would look at how they did against uh, the number three seed, which is KU. They both split there. So then you look at the number four team, which uh, would be Baylor, I believe. Potent- I mean, it would just go it down just the goes list. down the list. It, it would go down the list. And I, I can't say for certain. I know, of, case, of course, K-State split, I believe, uh, I believe Baylor beat Texas Tech in Waco uh, earlier this season. Well, K-State swept Baylor. Yeah. So then that would be 
where you would look at, and K-State would get the tiebreaker um, over Texas Tech in that scenario. So that's how it goes. It's if there's a tie at the top, it's head to head. They just it's head to head there, and then it progresses down the standings until until the end. Gotcha. Until there's that tie is broken, and it's that way for every seed. So like let's say, you know, a tie for sixth. It's the same. Starts uh, at one and starts moves at on one down. and moves on down. That's correct. So uh, that would be uh, how that would shake out, and most likely uh, Baylor could be the difference in that. Um, could be the difference in that uh, in that ranking just due to uh, them having a a win over Texas Tech and uh, us sweeping. Baylor this year. So if it comes down to that, that's something to, to keep an eye out on. Um, so there you go. There you go. And of course, too, Iowa State could be the factor in this one, too, because if Iowa State's able to uh, to sweep Texas Tech and if K-State was able to lose or something like that to where the both teams had a loss or, or something like that, uh, Iowa State would have swept Texas Tech this season. So, of course, K-State with the victory over Iowa State and Ames, uh, the tiebreaker would work there as well. You gotta like K State's chances to secure that one seed mm-hmm. uh, at this point, assuming there's a tie. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you to our friend E underscore S for KSU. We'll move on to Rob at Rob underscore N underscore KY. Uh, he asks, "Is this Bill Self's greatest coaching job? Should he be the Big Twelve Coach of the Year?" No, I don't think he should be. Uh, I think he. I mean, he's done a fine job this year. They've had some. Uh, they've had obviously some injuries, and he's had to come back from that. So I, I give him some credit for that. However, I don't think this is his best coaching job by any stretch. Uh, I think that when you look at maybe his best coaching job, uh, see maybe that 2000, uh, 2012 KU team. That uh, got to the final or got to the national championship game against Kentucky. There's a lot. I mean, he's had been in the Big Twelve now for what 15 years or so. Yeah, and he's had all sorts of of you know really pretty talented teams. I think last year was probably um, one of his better coaching jo- jobs as well. Um. But really, when you get back to it, they always have a ton of talent, especially comparable to other Big 12 teams. So I have a tough time giving him um, a real, uh, I guess, a real big credit for what he's done. I think he's done a fine job this year. But in, in terms of his best coaching job, uh, you could you could point to a couple other seasons. Of course, his national championship that he won uh, 2008. Anytime he won the national championship, that. You, you, you did you a pretty always, good job. You can always point to that as doing a pretty good job. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think he's done a fine job this year. But for me, my Big 12 coach of the year is Scott Drew. Yep. Unless K-State wins the conference title outright, and then it'll be Bruce. I think uh, I think that's a... Or, or if Texas Tech wins it outright, then Scott Beard. Or, S- Scott S- Beard. Scott Beard. Scott Drew and Chris Beard had a, had a child. <laughs> I like that. They, they named, no, it would be uh, Doug Funny over there for... For Texas Tech, yeah, absolutely, All, uh, Mr. Beard over there. So, uh, but no, I think it's a fine job by Bill Self this year. But uh, I'm not gonna 
throw him any parade for the job he's done this year. They, they still have a very talented team, and they've started to win a little bit more on the road. And, of course, they had that game against Oklahoma State uh, just the Saturday that uh, KU uses an 8-0 run in the final four minutes to, uh, to win that game uh, after Oklahoma State took a three-point lead. I believe it was 67-64, did not score the rest of the game, and uh, KU was able to escape Stillwater with a victory. So uh, they are starting to play a little bit better basketball right now. I think that's easy to see. but Except uh, on Saturday, because that was a team that KU probably should have won a little more comfortably against than they Oh, it was only did. a six-point spread, Drew. Yeah, but it's against, it's against a pretty bad Oklahoma State team. I, I mean... K-State beat them last week. Well, I mean, there's not many teams that are as complete and as capable as Kansas State. Right. You have to understand that. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, We'll move on to listener Luke at WheelerJ underscore Luke. Luke asks, Icon, new listener to the program here. Welcome, Luke. He asks, This may have been spoken about before, but who's your least favorite player, basketball or football, to compete against our Cats in Big 12 play over the last 20 years. Ooh, over the last 20 years. So you'd be able to catch Eric Crouch in there. Okay. I mean, we're going back to to 2000. We'll give a football and a basketball one. Okay, I think that sounds great. So for basketball, you would have to think that it would be a KU player, right? I mean, of course, right? But it's Mm -hmm. not. It's Marcus Smart. Oh, yeah. I cannot stand him. And, you know, the thing is, too, about Was it the flopping? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was that. That's what really, that's what really frustrated me. And you know, it's really a shame too because I I loved his his talent. I loved his game, but it was everything else that just I, I could not stand. I I did not have a have a fondness for for Marcus Smart there. Um, now switching uh, from basketball to football here, least favorite uh, player in the last twenty years. That's a very tough question. There are so many. There are so many. Like there's just you, so many I hate. Who? Well, you're kind of look like you're biting your lip here to, to get something in here. You, you have one that you'd like to, Todd, to bring up. Todd Reesing. That's who mine was gonna yeah. be. It was Todd Reesing. But then probably Landry Jones. Really? Yeah, he's just an unconfident loser, man. Yeah, see, that's why I can't really dog on the guy too much. I mean, he's like he's a bum. And see, the saving the reason. I don't hate Todd Reesing all that much. Well, I mean, let me rephrase. I feel like I could, I ought to hate Todd Reesing a lot more. He's my, he is my least favorite uh, player over the last twenty years. But he was a good player. I mean, was, I liked yeah, his he game. Fa- he was a fantastic and, player for KU. But that, but that's that's, that's why you like. That's why I hate him. That's yeah. why I hate him. But I respect him because yeah. he was a good player. But Landry Jones, I just couldn't stand just because I he just. He's a fine quarterback, but I just thought he had. A, he just was not a gamer. I just he thought was a, he was uh, kind of a loser. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some other maybe good. And it's hard for me to say Landry Jones wasn't good because he put up. Oh, uh, he put up huge numbers. Great but, numbers. But, but if you would say that uh, Landry Jones wasn't any good to like an Oklahoma fan, I don't know if you'd get a. I mean, they'd say, "Oh, I put up." I mean, he had some good numbers, but they probably wouldn't necessarily disagree with you. Be right. interesting. Yeah. Be interested to see what their thoughts would be. Uh, I'm going to try to think of another 
uh, football player other than Todd Reesing. Uh, it wouldn't be anyone from Iowa State. It wouldn't be anyone from West Virginia. Um, Nebraska, they, they're kind of removed for me, you know. I mean, now, at this point. Taylor Martinez is up there. Yeah, Martinez was he running roughshod over us. Uh, mm-hmm. 2010 was a tough pill to swallow. Uh, how about Travis Lewis for OU, stomping on Klein? Yeah, that's that? a that's a good one. So, but that's kind of just a one time deal. Um, how about oh, I've got one, Trent Smith. Trent Smith. Wow, that's a yeah for OU back and Josh Heupel. That's another guy. I just it, I don't think the guy could throw the ball twenty yards down the field. But he could he could throw it exactly twenty yards down, down the, field the field on and throw it in a bullseye. Yeah, but you asked him to throw it twenty five yards in. Yeah, and it was just backpedaling, a, you know, absolute duck, twenty yards. He he finds a way to get it between three sets of hands to Antoine Savage, and uh, God, that two, that two thousand OU team, that one sticks a little bit in the craw. Yeah, I can a, still see you're a, pretty upset about as it. As a team that I think K State was the better team in two thousand, but. Well, we were watching the '99 Holiday Bowl just we this morning, actually, we and and it is they were as K State had secured the victory, and it was garbage time. K State was kneeling it out. The uh, the announcers on there, and were, of course, as, as K State was kneeling it out, they had to call a timeout to de- to avoid a delay of game penalty. <laughs> yeah, in, in typical K State fashion. But continue. That's right. But Herbie and Corso were on that call along with who was the play by play? Mike Tirico. Mike Tirico uh, was the play by play call, and the, uh, they the were Colgan Holiday Bowl. Yeah, yeah, and Qualcomm. Um, and they were remarking at how good K-State was going to be that following year and about how they return, I think, 16 starters, 16, 17 starters, and obviously have Beasley coming back. He's going to be a senior, although they did mention that Al Roberson, Al Roberson was waiting in the wings, and uh, I'm not sure why they thought uh, you know, redshirt freshman Al Roberson was going to get the start uh, that year in 2000, but I digress. But it was... As I was thinking about that, I was thinking, yeah, you know, that 2000 team was really, really good, and uh, unfortunately, they ran into uh, future national champion Oklahoma twice that season. Yeah, and both games, the one in Arrowhead and the one, of course, in Manhattan. Uh, the game in Manhattan, I mean, really, it was a 10-point game, but Oklahoma really controlled that game from the word go, really. Um the game in Kansas City, I thought K-State... Oh, you're talking about the game in Manhattan? Yeah. <clears throat> How about that pump block, though? Yeah, pump block, though. That's the loudest I've ever heard that stadium. Absolutely. No question. No, no it's the loudest moment in human history, as, we, mm-hmm. as we've as we discussed in this podcast before. But um, hopefully, maybe... Few, I just hope that there's another moment that tops that, in terms of the loudest moment Impossible. in human history. But it's just so unlikely. Mm-mm. But... Yeah, I think so. We're gonna go. Uh, is there anyone for basketball that you want to bring in here? Or? Sharon Collins. Sharon Collins. Okay. So Sharon Collins, Todd Reesing, Marcus Smart, Trent Smith, for, for are the collective. You decided to go Smith instead of uh, yeah, Trent Smith, man. That guy. I forget what years uh, was he there. Oh, he was there for that. He he killed us in the two thousand Big Twelve championship game. Absolutely okay. destroyed us. Jared Cooper's still getting beat like a rented mule by him. And Phil Bennett is still blitzing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, our final question this week comes from listener Doug Egbert at Pride one 
on Twitter. Okay. Doug asked the icon, who cuts your hair? Who cuts my hair? Yeah. Uh, whoever's working down at the sports clubs next to me. You don't, now, you don't now, have time to focus too much on that type of stuff. You're busy grinding. Well, and it allows me to grind on sports well, and sports yeah, stories can... while getting while getting my hair cut. But no, I'm and I'm, I'm I can catch some heat for this. That's fine. But I um, I've never been one to you know go to a like a type of a salon and really deal with it that way. Do you ever uh, get that MVP package on sports clips? Or they that's kind of like the standard fare now. Like they don't even ask you like, oh hey, do you want like the MVP? Like it's like they just kinda... go right in, start. Yeah. Rubbing those shoulders. Rubbing the shoulders. You're sitting there grinding that, on sports. That's one thing that's nice, though, is they do, like, they shampoo your hair, or they shampoo your hair, and they give you, like, a, uh, like, hot towel and everything, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, but there you go. It's, it's, uh... But nobody it, in particular. Quick. It's, it's quick, it's efficient, um, gets my hair looking fresh. Soft. Which is really, at the end of the day, what it's all about, you know? So, that's right. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty low maintenance. Now, you, you kind of, you don't bear any... Ex- you bear no expense when it comes to making sure that head of lettuce is is looking good for you. Is yeah, that it right takes a true professional. I only trust my uh, my salad to Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, he, 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 he does a good job he, for you. He does a good job for me, and at this point, uh, you know, I feel like when you're on a first name basis with your barber, they kind of lock you in. You start feeling bad if you go anywhere else, and uh, so yeah. That's, uh, you you have a certain rapport with him now. Yeah, he talks. He asks me about legal issues, and I tell him about. Uh, and, he, and he cuts my hair for me. It's a nice little quid pro quo. How about that? Yep. And for the folks that maybe don't understand Latin, could you? It means something for something. Okay. Uh, it's uh, like a bargain for exchange. Okay. Yeah. That's that's excellent stuff from you there. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. That's good job by you there. So. Uh, well, that, I think, wraps it up here. Do you that? That's the final question for us today? That's that's all we got from our listeners this week. Well, fantastic uh, job by our listeners, of course, coming up with uh, some good questions for us this week here on the Short Side Option. Uh, we're recording this Sunday night, so this will be uh, available, of course, in time for you uh, before K-State's uh, 8 o'clock tip-off uh, with the TCU Frogs. Big Monday, big game for K-State. A win against... Um, against TCU goes a really long way uh, for K-State in order to win a Big 12 Conference title, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, if, if they can get past TCU, then all of a sudden it becomes uh, one game seed. I mean, it all comes down to the Oklahoma game. Um, and, and just a little scheduling uh, thing about that Oklahoma game. K-State tips off at 5 against uh, the Oklahoma Sooners on Saturday. They will be the last game to tip off in the Big 12. So they will have... Um, they will. I mean, they will know what needs to be done. If it's a, uh, if they just need to win to win an outright share of the conference title, uh, they will know that going into the game. If they know that they just have to win to tie, uh, whether if it's with Texas Tech or with uh, with KU, uh, that's something that um, they can they can do as they will know as well. So. Drew, I, I, I know we're, we're going to try to wrap it up here, but I want to ask you one quick question here. Sure. So you've got K-State. Uh, I think we both have them winning out, correct? Yes, we do. Okay, so Texas Tech, they go on the road. Uh, or, they, excuse me, they get Texas uh, in Lubbock. And they go two on, on Ames. On Monday, and they go two Ames on Saturday. Two tricky games. 
Yeah, and, and uh, Texas just absolutely blew the doors off um, Iowa State on Saturday. How do you see those two games going for the Red Raiders? Do you see them going 2-0, and or do you see them dropping one somewhere along the line? You know, I think they ought to win both of them, um, and I would expect to win. If I was betting money line on them, right, I'd, I'd pick they'll be a sh- They'll be a short dog on the road in Ames. I still think. Given what I was the, the difficulties Iowa State's going through right now, I'm I'm sticking with Chris Beard and that Texas Tech team. Speaking with old Doug Funny and his and his dog, old Pork Chop. That's right. So uh, now let's go. Let's talk about uh, the boys from Larryville, uh, the the boys from Snob Hill. They welcome or they go on the road. Excuse me, to. Oklahoma on team, Tuesday. Yeah, a team that's been playing some decent ball lately. Uh, Sooners are, uh, you know, believe it or not, for a team uh, like Oklahoma that is, <laughs> excuse me, that is uh, six and ten in the conference. They've seemed to, uh, for whatever reason, seem to get on the right side of the bubble, not being even one of the last four teams in. Uh, according to uh, the latest bracketology, they do have some nice non-conference wins, but they've won three out of their last four games here. Um, how do you see KU finishing out the season? You know what? I see. I think KU could lose that Oklahoma game. I mean, they they have Oklahoma on the road and Baylor in the uh, in Lawrence. Yeah, in Lawrence on the and last game of the season. I, I think of those two, I think Oklahoma is a lot trickier. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. I, I don't foresee Baylor going into to uh, Allen Fieldhouse and getting a win there. But that uh, that OU game might be a pickle for him. Uh, KU obviously, uh, you know, they got a win against Oklahoma State on Saturday on the road. But this is still a team that hasn't shown that they can consistently uh, put on really. F- Full complete games on the road. I mean, we saw that Saturday too, where sure. they they really struggled yeah, with a team I mean, that if, they really. If Wendy Waters fast. doesn't leave, uh, you know, with the game with an ankle injury for, you know, the lion's share of the second half, I, I think Oklahoma State probably wins that ball game. And of course, McGriff fouling out, and yeah, the crime dog. Uh, that's right, and Desagua. It was Desagua that missed that. Uh, no, that was Waters. Oh, that was that was Waters. Yeah, You're Waters right. missed the final three on a on a defensive breakdown from from KU. There. So, but that but, was uh, obviously one that could have gone either way. So, I'm still not completely bought into uh, KU being a super competent team on the road. And so, I think uh, gun to my head right now, I say I say OU gets the better of them down there in Norman. Okay. Um, so. If you're saying that K State and Texas Tech both take care of business on Monday, and KU loses on Tuesday to Oklahoma, the streak is dead. Uh, yeah, I'll be the first to say it. The streak is dead, folks. You've rest heard in it. peace. You've Hold the funeral for it. So I do want to run down here just real quick. Uh, Ken Palm projected win percentages for the remaining for the three teams for the remaining two games. Uh, Ken Palm gives Texas Tech a 77% chance of winning against Texas and a 49% chance of winning against Iowa State. So very uh, a coin flip against Iowa State there. Um, now we look at uh, K-State. Ken Palm gives K-State a 48% chance to win on the road at TCU and a 69% chance uh, to win against Oklahoma. Ken Palm doesn't know what he's talking about because K-State's going to win against TCU handily. He's a buffoon. 
then we go on here and uh, KU, 52% chance to win uh, against OU. And what did they give? What was that? 52 against oh. OU and 30s or and uh, excuse me, 73 against Baylor. So, so each team has a bit of a coin flip game yeah, left. Each team has a coin flip game, and it happens to all be the game on the road for yeah. the three teams. So, uh, but we like K State, and we like them to uh, get a share of this conference title. So, and that and that goes to show you how important this game on uh, tomorrow night is, absolutely. just because if K State can get past their coin flip game, that puts a lot of pressure on. Uh, the Red Raiders and the Jayhawks to get past theirs. Yep, absolutely. Well, that will do us for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, we'll be back uh, with probably another Friday uh, morning uh, edition. It will be dropped Friday a.m. Uh, for the Short Side Option Podcast as we uh, preview K-State's season finale, regular season finale, excuse me, against the Oklahoma Sooners. And uh, we'll highlight... Uh, that game, as well as uh, a senior class that will be playing their last game in Bramwich Coliseum with uh, Dean Wade, Barry Brown, and Kamal Stokes. Uh, We'll be back uh, with that next week, so stay tuned to the Short Side Option Podcast uh, on Twitter at TSSO underscore podcast. And, uh, you know, senior carrier pigeons, too, if you'd like to to, to pass a message on to us. uh, We'd be happy to to read it uh, here on the air. But that'll do it. For this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast, thank you for listening, and go Cats!